Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Tryon. I'm Jeff Harris. I'm the pastor here at First Baptist, and I'm grateful for you joining us today. I must say, podcast might be a bit of a stretch because really this is our weekly sermon, and I'm grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this week's sermon. I will give one word of warning, though, especially to those of you who are driving. Sermons um, from time to time tend to put people to sleep, so if you're driving, be real careful. We don't want you to fall asleep, because we'd love to have you tune in next week. (laughs) I hope you enjoy this week's sermon, although enjoy is really not the intended outcome of a sermon, but I am grateful that you took the time to listen, and I hope you have a great week. I'll catch you next week. It is good to see you this morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. I'm grateful that we can be together in this way, even while we are apart. I'm going to try to look at the camera when I'm talking, but when I look down here, I can actually see you. So that's why I have the computer here, and it's nice to be able to glance down here and feel like I'm not just talking to the back wall back there. So, But it is good to be together in this way. I want to remind you that the Zoom link that you use to be here for worship is the same Zoom link that you can use for all of our gatherings. And we've already gathered this morning for a good time of discussion and fellowship and Sunday school, and that starts at 10 a.m. So if that's not part of your morning, we would love to have you as we study scripture together. So at this time, may we turn our hearts and our minds toward the worship of God as the bell rings and takes us in to worship. We are called to bring a new understanding of God. That God so loves the world. We are the salt of the earth. We're called to bring a new hope in God. That God gives us new life. We are the light of the world. We are called to follow the commandments and the law. The law of God is to love God and to love one another. Come, let us be the salt of the earth the light of the world. Come, let us love one another with the love of God. Let us join together in our love of God to worship and follow Jesus.
Let us pray. Gracious Lord, the psalmist writes, my voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning, I will direct my prayer unto thee and look up. We come to you this morning, Lord, and we look up to you for encouragement. We look up to you for compassion and forgiveness. We look up to you for guidance, helping us during difficult days to truly be your people. We look up to you for blessings, Lord, blessings on ourselves, blessings on our family, and blessings, O oh Lord, on all of our throughout this great world who so need the peace of your presence in their lives. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Amen. For those of you who can remember the 1960s, you'll probably remember it as a strange and troubling time when a lot of disturbing things happened and a few good things. One lady named Gloria was expecting her third child. Her husband, Bill, was recovering from mononucleosis. She wondered about bringing another child into the craziness of the times. On New Year's Eve, late in the 60s, Gloria's fear changed to calmness and peace. Her faith overcame her fear, and she wrote the lyrics of the song, Bob Will Sing. It's one of the most popular of the over 700 songs by Bill and Gloria Gaither. God sent his son, they called him Jesus. He came to love, heal and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. <clears throat> How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. But clear still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth living just because he lives. And then one day I'll cross the river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. And then his death. Here's way to victory. I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. 
And life is worth living just because he lives. Amen. 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 I'm going to read Psalms 90, 1 through 6, 13 through 17. First Psalms 1 through 6. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. And then 13 through 17. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servant. <coughs> Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have, been, we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord, our God, rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Okay, our songs this morning are I Love You, Lord, and To God Be the Glory. I love you, Lord. Let's sing the chorus two times. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King. In what you hear, may it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded 
as his life an atonement for sin, and open the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. The scripture I'll read is from Matthew 22, verses 34 through 46. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David, by the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone else dare to ask him any more questions. The word of the Lord. I would like to sing. Am I unmuted? I am. Okay. <laughs> uh, the medley that I'm going to sing today, I would like to sing in memory of um, Billy and Becky's dad, Bill McFarland Sr. And um, when I felt like God laid this medley on my heart um, while I was rehearsing, it made me think of Mr. McFarland because the, the words of, of these familiar songs is a very good description of how Billy's dad lived his life. And um, <clears throat> So I'd like to sing this in his memory. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather 
rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than man's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Oh, when I come to die, oh, when I come to die. Oh, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Give me
Amen. So there's a story about this guy from North Carolina, somewhere way back in the mountains. This was back in the late 1800s. And business had taken him to Raleigh, which was quite a journey in those days. And he arrives in Raleigh, and he finds something called an ice-making machine. He'd never seen such a thing. And he was blown away that down in Raleigh, where it was even hotter in the summer than it was in the mountains, that those folks could have ice all summer long, all year long. And he was pretty intrigued by this. And so he comes home to the mountains, and he shares this good news with the congregation that he was a part of, which was a Baptist congregation, this little Baptist church in the mountains. And he told them about the great things that were happening in Raleigh and the ice-making machine. And the story goes that about a month later, that church split in two. Those who were pro-ice-making and those who thought it was an abomination unto the Lord. Now, I don't know if that story is actually true or not, but I am certain that churches have split over less consequential issues. Somehow for them, this was a theological issue regarding did somehow this ice maker thwart the natural order of things? It seemed to some of those who were not in favor of it that if the Lord wanted you to have ice in the summer, well, then the freezing point of ice would have been a lot higher or the summer would have been a lot colder. How dare you make such a thing? Now, we have been commanded by Jesus himself, who is actually quoting from Deuteronomy 6, a particular part of Deuteronomy 6 known as the Shema, which is a well-known passage that Jews would have recited several times a day. And here is what Jesus says. He says, we are clearly commanded to love God with everything we have. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and even with all your mind. Yes, we are to love God with our mind, which means that it's not only okay to think through your faith, it's not only okay to examine your faith, it's actually necessary. It is necessary that we think deeply about scripture and theology. To do so is to be faithful. An unexamined faith is hardly any faith at all. And yet, yet sometimes we hear folks say the opposite. Almost take pride in their ignorance, you might say. Fred Craddock would often call such things as half-Bible. Sort of comes from the Bible, but not really, and the meaning really gets distorted from the text. Some folks might call it folk theology. We say things that might sound faithful, but upon further examination, well, they come up quite a bit short. I'll just throw out an example, a couple of ones that I hear fairly often. Everything happens for a reason. I hear people say that. 
And, and it is true that there is such a thing as cause and effect. That's how the world works. And if that's what they mean, well, then they are certainly correct. But that's not usually how, or that's not usually what they mean when they say that everything happens for a reason. And, and, and it is true, really, in a literal way, that everything does happen for a reason. And oftentimes that reason is because we do really dumb things or irresponsible things or things that are mean and cruel and greedy and selfish. And I could just go on down the list, but that's not really what people mean when they say that. Most of the time when they say everything happens for a reason, what they mean is that somehow God is the one who has caused these things to happen which is certainly not what the Lord's Prayer attests to, the prayer that we pray every Sunday, the prayer that Jesus taught us, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for God's will to be done on earth precisely because it is not. And so that, that is some of the folk theology. We tend to blame God for things that are often the consequences of our own actions often hear someone say these things as well, another piece of folk theology that's not all that different from the first one. Well, you know, when it's your time to die, well, it's your time. Well, I don't know about that. Let, let, let me just throw out a scenario here, right? Let's, let's imagine that you're having a medical emergency. So should you just stay at home? Right? I mean, if it's your time... And you actually go to the hospital to seek treatment. Are you working against God's will? How about, how about if you have a sinus infection, let's say? All right, you have a sinus infection and you refuse to go to the doctor. Well, people from time to time do die from sinus infections. Let's say you didn't go to the doctor and you died. Did, did that mean it was your time, or did that just mean you should have went to the doctor? <laughs> or or maybe, maybe you should just stop taking your blood pressure medicine and trying to be healthy because, well, you know, maybe you're actively working against God's plan. Or, or how about the snake handlers? Here's, here's a good one, right? So these folks handle snakes. And if you're bitten by a snake... Then, then two things can happen, right? You, you, you either get over the bite or, or you die. And so usually the way they frame it is, is you, if you're bitten by the snake and you overcome the snake bite, well, then that's because you had faith. And if you are bitten by the snake and you die, well, then that was God's will. It was just your time to go. You know what? You can't have it both ways. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't work that way. And, and in fact, here's a great example of where Maybe we should love God a little bit more with our minds and examine the actual Bible because that passage in Mark about handling snakes and drinking poison, that comes from the longer ending of Mark, which means in the earliest Gospels, the earliest accounts of the Gospel of Mark, it's not in there. They shouldn't even have been handling them in the first place. Now, I could just keep going with all these strange scenarios. But I'll start to wind it down. But usually when people say such things, when they say, well, it just must have been his time, what, what they really mean is something tragic hit, has happened and they can't make any sense out of it. And yet what they're doing is 
blaming God for it. I mean, just think about that for a minute. Is that really how God works? Does God, you know, just randomly throw a sinus infection to that person who's too stubborn to go to the doctor? Or, or how about my friend and colleague who was leaving the Ash Wednesday service that she had just officiated, and she and her teenage daughter are on their way home, and a deer runs out in front of them, and the deer comes through the windshield and kills her teenage daughter. And then, in the midst of this grief, her husband, her husband has an affair, and their marriage falls apart. I mean, is that really a part of God's plan? Is that how God works? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. My first semester in divinity school, I wrote a really terrible paper. I wrote some more, but the one my first semester was particularly Terrible, and thanks be to God, I can no longer find it somewhere between all the computers and the, all that stuff. It's lost. We hope it's lost forever. But the paper was on the doctrine of sin. And, and Christian theology teaches that we are created in God's image. Here's what the text says in Genesis 1. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then a few verses later it says... God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. We're the only ones who get very good. All the other days are just good. And then, of course, just a bit later, there's this thing called the fall. Oops. The garden didn't go so well. And so ever since, there's been this tension Yes, we are created in the image of God, and there is goodness there, and yet we are fallen, broken, sinful. Something irreversible happened. Now, there was this theologian named Pelagius, and he argued, he argued that it was possible for us to overcome the fall. That is, it is possible for us to not sin. And Augustine, this other theologian, said hogwash. He said it doesn't work that way. Augustine said that the fall changed something forever, and we are now in this self-imposed bondage to sin. Now, Pelagius, his view on sin was deemed heretical, and Augustine's became the way that we think about sin. Luther and Calvin used the term total depravity. And so as a 24-year-old first semester divinity school student, I thought, what does Augustine and Luther and Calvin know in 2,000 years of church history? I mean, what do those people know, right? <laughs> and so I wrote a paper explaining why they were wrong. And while Pelagius was obviously right that we really are innately good, well... I was obviously wrong, and not only was I wrong about that, my argument wasn't very good, and if you know me, 
I don't really care as much about where you come out on a certain passage of scripture or where you come out on a certain piece of theology. I want to know how you arrived there. What steps did you take? What was your reasoning in your scripture and your theology? Well, let me tell you, I didn't take any steps. It was terrible. And if I had been the theology professor grading that paper, I would have just wrote in big red ink across it, I'll be praying for you, doofus. You see, I did not understand the doctrine of sin. Plus, I knew a lot of really nice people. And I thought, well, surely these nice people can't really be that bad. <laughs> Reinhold Niebuhr says it this way. He says, the doctrine of original sin is the only empirically verifiable doctrine of the Christian faith. And Niebuhr's right. He's right. We can't empirically verify the faith, but if you just look around, you can see sin and the consequences of sin all around us. It's everywhere. And it's not just something that, that bad people do. It also infects good people. And this is why there's so much wrong in our world, because we live in ways that are damaging not only to ourselves, but to other people. You see, what I learned is that we don't take sin seriously enough. You have to have a robust doctrine of, skin, of sin to actually understand the brokenness of the world. Or you'll just run around saying, well, you know, everything happens for a reason, or it just must have been his time. No. No. And if we don't have that kind of understanding of sin, then, then, then we will. We'll just go around blaming God for all the bad things that happens in the world when, in fact, most of the bad things that happen in the world are because of us, because of our brokenness, because of our sin. And ironically, ironically, sometimes the very churches that, that talk the most about sin, hellfire and brimstone, if you will, they actually have the most anemic understanding of sin. They say, well, you know, if you just don't do these things and, and you do these things, well, then you can, you know, be good people instead of bad people, and you can pretty much avoid all that sin. And you see, that's the problem. You can't, and I can't. And if we could, if Pelagius was right and we're really good, and if we get our act together, we can just avoid all that stuff, well, if that were true, we wouldn't need a Savior. But we do. <laughs> We do. I heard about a church that was meeting during the pandemic without proper protocols. And surprise, surprise, some of the folks got sick. And, and one of the church members got really sick. And, and when he ended up in the ICU, I am told that the pastor of that church called a prayer meeting to pray for this person. And, and they all came to the church. And they all came down front to the church to pray for this person. And I thought, what? <laughs> Did you not understand how he got sick in the first place? I know the intention was good. <laughs> Examining your faith, thinking through your faith, wrestling with your faith. These are not flaws of the weak. 
These are practices of the faithful. Now, I'm not saying that we can get all the answers if we just keep asking questions. Because the truth is, the more we examine the faith, the more we'll end up with questions. But that's also a part of the faith. That's how it works. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And yes, even and especially with all your mind. Amen. Take a moment now and rest in God's goodness. As Kay plays the piano.
Let us pray together. Lord, we are your people. We are flawed and we are fickle. But you are faithful and you are good and you are loving. And you invite us. You invite us into relationship. You offer us forgiveness. You offer us new life. You offer us a better way. Help us to live in those ways and help us to extend those ways to everyone we meet. Help us to love you with all that we have. Help us to think and wrestle and struggle with our faith so that we most so that we may best articulate who you are and how you would have us to be forgive us when we say things that we don't really mean that we haven't really thought through and forgive us for all those things that we get wrong because we all do and fill us with your grace your grace that brings healing to us and hope to us. And now invite you to unmute yourself and to offer the names of those who need God's healing and God's hope this morning. Elliot Hodges. Andrew. Erica and Sherry Seert. Jaron Burrell. Mary and Bobby. Jerry Mabry. Erica Potter. Children, children separated from their parents at the border. Stephen Seymour. Be with them all, O oh Lord, as we entrust them to your care. We pray all of these things now through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I invite you to unmute yourselves and join me as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Bob and Judy. Thank you, Kay and Leslie, for the music that's been offered today. It's good to worship with all of you in these ways. We have another opportunity together today.
at 5 p.m. Vespers in the back parking lot. So bring a mask and bring your chair and we will uh, enjoy a time of prayer and a time of uh, music and scripture and, and some testimonials. It'll be a good time to worship. Right now that service is still on. If uh, the rain does come again, we, we will be unable to do that. And if something happens that the rain uh, comes back to us, we will use the text them all, call them all, and we will let folks know. And if it's close to time and it's pouring rain and you haven't been notified, well, it probably you probably can just stay at home if it's pouring rain. So hopefully it won't. Uh, Ellis, Ellis Fincher had uh, an announcement that he wanted to make, and then uh, Jacob and Sherea have an announcement that they would like to make as well. So, Ellis? Thank you, Jeff. 2020 has been an unusual year, and it'll certainly go down as a year of remembrance. Everybody's going to remember the corona pandemic. Everyone, I hope, in our church is going to remember the uh, construction, the new construction of the gathering space and lobby and renovation of the church building. It's coming to a completion, and um, thank everyone for their patience for doing that. 2020 has also been a year where people have reached out to protect us in different ways. We do appreciate those who have done that. And I want to want to talk about this morning is our own pastor. Two or three weeks ago, I received a text one morning and the text said, did I know that October was Pastor Appreciation Month? And through the years on October, I had remembered that, but I'd forgotten this year, so I appreciate the person letting me know. Also, last Sunday was Pastor Appreciation Day. And our pastor's been working hard all during 2020 to keep us safe, keep us away from each other, and to help us remember that we need to love each other by doing that. And we thank him for that. So, Jeff, I have a card for you. If you can see that, it's got your name on it. And I have opened it and taken out a card, and I want to read it to you. It is real happiness to be a vessel for Jesus, poured out in love, filled up with peace, made strong by joy. Inside, Jeff, today, may you feel the prayers of those who counted a blessing to know you. Thanks for all you do. And inscription, we appreciate you at Trine First Baptist Church. We've also enclosed two gift cards from Amazon, Jeff, each one in the amount of $500. So Jeff, we appreciate that 11 years you came to join us. We appreciate that you brought your family. We appreciate your youth and your enthusiasm. So thank you very much. May you have a great Pastor Appreciation Month. Amen. Well, thank you, Ellis. I think Jeff really deserves it. He's done so many great things and uh, rather some people believe it or not, it's always in his heart. He's looking out for the best of us. Um, but me and Sherea have some news. Uh, for some, some of y'all who may not be Facebook friends with me, because I realized the other day that you're not allowed to be Facebook friends with me unless I initiate it. Um, so I changed that. So, um, But me and Sherea are having a child, and it is due March 22nd. And we just figured out last week that it is a girl. 
So <laughs> we thought we would share that information with our church family because y'all have accepted us so quickly and so easily as one of your own. And we just feel very, very appreciative. So thank you. Great. Congratulations. Congratulations. Good news. So congratulations to Jacob and Sherea. We celebrate with them. Ellis and, and the church, thank you so much for your support, for your understanding during these times. Thank you for the Amazon gift cards. Hey, that's, that's pretty awesome. They actually sell fly rods on Amazon. Sometimes people don't know that, but you know, you can get almost anything on Amazon. Uh, I am grateful for that. Thank you. And it's, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to be a part of this church family and to serve together with you. And since I've gone over this morning, I will be quiet so that you will still appreciate me when this day is over instead of continuing to talk. So it's been great to be together, to worship together, to celebrate. Here's the benediction. May you go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And as you go, remember who you are. You are disciples of Jesus, our Lord and our brother. Children of Almighty God, bound together as brothers and sisters through the Spirit. You are the very body of Christ. So may you serve the Lord with gladness all your days. Amen. Hang around and talk with each other, and then I hope to see you uh, later this evening. Thanks for being here.